This is a City of Crestview podcast. Welcome to Season 2 of Civic View. My name is Chance Levins and I'm your digital media specialist here at the City of Crestview. The goal of Civic View is to keep our citizens informed and entertained while maintaining a sense of transparency between you and your local government. And here at City Hall and all across the city, we value that communication as well as civic engagement, and we hope this podcast will continue to be a source of both. So let's get started. Hello, Crestview, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Civic View. Uh, Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a special episode. Um, Joining me today, I have our 2020 Officer of the Year, Corey Newcomb. And to speak with Corey and I, we also have our illustrious sometimes co-host, the city manager, uh, Tim Baldock. I want to say, gentlemen, thank you both for joining me today. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Officer of the Year. Um, I, I want to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, what, When you found out, I guess, kind of what was that first emotion? I guess I was a little shocked. Uh, more than anything, because I, you know, had to ask myself, what have I done more than anybody else? What makes me deserving over some of my peers? And so I was a little shocked. Yeah, uh, and is is that par- partially because the way that the award is given is because it's from your peers and the in your commanding staff and everyone else that you work with? That's who helps decide. It, it is, but you know, whenever you work closely, and we're in a small agency, so when. Everyone is not only your coworkers, but your friends, and you know the things that they're doing. And then you you ask yourself, well, what makes me different? You know, they're doing the they're doing some pretty amazing things themselves. So what makes me stand out where they didn't, or, or you know, above that? Whenever you've seen the amazing things that they've done as well. So yeah, well, I mean, obviously they saw some things from you that were more amazing than what they felt like they were doing. So <laughs> I mean, I get it. When any time I get a compliment, it's it's I'm just like, what I you know so. And then that's pretty amazing achievement and compliment. I mean, it, congratulations very much. So, um, Tim, I think you had some questions. Sure, for Corey also. sure. Yeah. Well, and and again, congratulations, Corey. I I, um, I was very excited. I don't have anything to do with it, um, which is cool. Um, I get to see it come. You know, it kind of comes across my desk. And and the first time I actually got to figure out who I knew kind of who was in the running and stuff. But when I got to see who won. Um, was when when we prepared the council agenda item, and so I was real excited about that. Uh, Corey and I, I, I got a chance to do some ride-alongs with um, the some of the officers. I, I didn't ride with Corey, but I uh, was on that same shift. We worked a midnight shift or a late. What do we call it? What? A night shift. A night shift. Um, and I got a chance to hang out with Corey. So, man, tell me, tell let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So, how long have you been in law enforcement? I know you're in the military beforehand. Tell us about it. Well, I started. Uh, in 1994, when I joined the Air Force, uh, went into security police or then, and I was, that time the career field was divided in two sections, security and then law enforcement. Um, I was a security uh, troop. And uh, then as I promoted and became a supervisor, then you start supervising both parts of the career field okay. in, in one shift. And then the, after some events within the uh the world we combined into one career field and then it was just one big family so uh, how many years air force right yes sir air force uh how many years in the air force uh 21 total uh i did i did security police or security forces for approximately let's see 
about seven or eight years, and then I took a break and went to Lackland to be a basic training instructor, and then I ah. came back to the career field. Okay, all right. And then when you got out, you 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 uh, went into law enforcement. Is Crestview the only agency you've worked with? Uh, it's the only one I've worked with, yes, sir. Uh, I was I was up in the air, and do I still want to do this? Do I still want to do sure. this? And my wife was trying to push me towards corrections. I'm like, no, I did that in Guantanamo Bay. I will never work corrections again you a day should. in my life. Uh, just being that is a tough, tough world to live in every sure. single day. And my hats off to corrections workers. I could not do it. Well, one of the things, uh, one of the chance, one of the reasons I was excited to see Corey get this is the night that that I got a chance to ride with them. Um, they had a pretty. It was a fairly exciting night. We ran a bunch of calls. We got we got some barbecue early on, but then we ran a bunch of calls and. And one of those calls was actually um, a uh, someone trying to inflict harm on themselves um, with a firearm, and uh, the guys went in and, and had to um, get them. Uh, that night it was I think it was all man. Uh, the guys guys went in and had to get them calmed down. But but the individual was being incredibly difficult, refusing to go get the treatment that was necessary. And I watched Corey. Um, and and uh, so if you don't know Corey, Corey's Corey's a little bit smaller guy. Um, and. And the, the individual that he was up against was, was a very large, large dude, big guy. And, uh, but I watched Corey um, treat him um, so kind and, and just be so caring with him to the point where, where he was able to talk him into cooperating. And so um, that was one of the things that was, was incredibly cool to me. And, and I think, you know, the difference between maybe being in corrections and being in, in what you're doing right now is your ability to, to, to make some change, you know, maybe early enough in the process. I, w I would hope so. I mean, that would, you can't save the world. That, that's something I had to learn early on. You know, you can, if you save one, you've done something amazing. So. Oh, no, that's, I, I mean, I'm not a law enforcement officer, but I can't, I can't imagine getting up every day to be a law enforcement officer with the idea that I'm going to save the world. Like that would get exhausting really quick. And that's where in this career field, you get, you, you see that, that burnout that happens with those younger officers, because when they get in, they're full of fire, they're full of passion, they, they are going to change the world. And then the reality sets in. And it's how do they deal, how do we help them deal with the reality of they can't save the world? Right. You know, so it, it becomes a challenge. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I appreciate everyone that serves in the military and that uh, chooses to be a police officer or firefighter and any of that type of stuff, because I mean, you, you go from zero to 100 over and over and over again through just a single shift. So I imagine you would burn out pretty fast with that attitude. That, that adrenaline dump, dump, and then, all right, you, you got to level back out. And next thing you know, the adrenaline's dumping again. And it, it, it will take a physical toll and a mental toll on you. Yeah. Well, so, that, and that's kind of what I want to ask you. You've got between most of your security forces time and with us, you've got close to like 20 years in law enforcement. Um, where in your career were you able to take that adrenaline dump and still be clear enough and calm enough to do something like what Tim talked to you, you know, or excuse me, did Tim experience with you where you were able to talk someone down? Cause I can't imagine being that jacked over something and then having to have the wherewithal to think about, okay, how are we going to handle this situation? How are we going to make this situation better for everyone? I'm going to oversimplify it, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> Please it, do it, for me. It comes with just time and experience. Um, you can sit in every classroom in the world and learn the book knowledge of it and on how to do things. 
But until you experience it, until you learn how to control yourself and control your emotions, the key thing is you have to learn how to, you have to know yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. And you have to know when, oh, okay, I'm, I've pushed a little too far. I need to step back. And I equate it to an engine. You can, an engine can only run at max RPMs for so long before it breaks. Very good. So when, when, do, when do we realize that we're running at max RPM and we need to back it down a little bit? And a lot of times it takes you hitting that wall. It takes you falling on, flat on your face before you, you figure out where that's at. And a lot of times it's been trial and error. I mean, I, I'm not embarrassed to say that, you know, I hit a wall not too long ago, you know, with personal stuff and work stuff. And I I had my uh, I had my anxiety attack, and I was like, wait, man, <laughs> this ain't right. It ain't supposed to be happening to me yet, you know. Here I am thinking I'm having a heart attack, you know, and it was an anxiety attack. I just, I hit that wall. And through through help of counseling and things of that nature and me realizing what I need to do to control those things and when to see those early signs of hitting that wall and learn how to back it down. So so one of the things that's that um, I think, you know, we especially in the field you're in, right? So people want to be um, because it's law enforcement, it, it wants to be super macho and all that. But but really, you know, what makes um, you know, what makes you the, the most successful at it, uh, is, is the ability, I think, to identify, Hey, you know, we need to take a step back. And then, you know, you're in a, in a really cool spot here. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, as the city manager, I'm, I'm excited of where you're at because you're, you're one of our field training officers. And, and that conversation came up during, or that, that point came up from the chief during, during the, um, council meeting where you received your award. But, but I'm excited to see, because um, cause I know you can you, you can do the tough stuff when when the time comes that, that you have to bring somebody um, you know into compliance I've, I've seen you be able to do that too but you also can can help the officers around you uh, we talked about I got the chance unfortunately I watch a lot of body cam man because everybody wants to complain you know the, the thing about it is chance I um, body camera the best thing about body camera is it protects our officers as much as it protects the public right Right. And so we've spent I, I remember when I first got here, I spent a, a, a lot of money. Uh, we're spending over uh, 65, almost 70 thousand dollars a year in maintenance for our body cameras. And, and and people are like, oh, my goodness, you know, that's a whole officer. And but but the reality of it is I have I've watched a lot of body cam in the last two years and definitely way, way more often than not. When I watch the body cam, I see I see our officers doing things that make me proud. And one of those was was with you, um, and and one of the things I liked about it, and this is what I want you to talk about for just a minute, is, and I think this comes from your life experience that you're not afraid to talk about, was your ability to come on the scene. It was a very difficult scene. Um, we had an, uh, it was another situation where somebody was was not quite uh, in their in their normal capacity, I guess, uh, for lack of a better way to explain it. Um, and not willing to go uh, with you guys when they needed to, and trying to be difficult. But I watched you change not only the the um, the citizens' demeanor, but also the demeanor of all the officers around you, uh, in the way that you spoke to him and handled it. And and at this, I'm watching this thing. It's like watching cops on TV because uh, I'm watching the body cam, right? And, and, and in this situation, you end up following the individual in the house, uh, securing a firearm that could have hurt the officers. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm not, you know, because I'm not a law enforcement officer, it didn't even cross my mind that, hey, there may be a gun on the other side of the door. But, um, you know, Corey, first one to identify the firearm, they secure, I think, secures the firearm. Uh, actually, it was uh, Officer Peak saw the Peek firearm. Peak saw the firearm, that's I, right. I, I had uh, physical control of the, of the individual, and we went, yeah, went right. 
And then whenever Officer uh, Dean and Officer Pete came in behind me, Officer Pete called out the fire. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. Exactly. But my point with it is that watching the way that you were able to handle that individual calms everybody down around you. And and so man, how do you? How are we going to pass that on? Because right now we live in a national climate where people um, are a lot of times are wanting to jump to the worst possible conclusion about law enforcement. But but I'm telling you, uh, you know, 99.9 times out of 100, when I watch the body cam, you guys are doing everything you can possibly do to get people to calm down. How do you keep the next generation of law enforcement calm? We teach them. Uh, uh, and that's the thing. We, we've got to be willing to sit these young men and women down and have those hard conversations. Uh, as supervisors, we I don't work in an office environment where if I've got something that's not going right, then maybe someone's not doing something they're supposed to, that I can sit on the sidelines and say, all right, I'll watch that for a little right, bit. Right. We, we deal in a job where we have young men and women, even ourselves, who may unfortunately at some point in time, God help us, that we don't. Uh, I have to take a life, and I and that's something right. I dread every day that I may have to do. Um, but we need to prepare them to to look at a situation to prevent that as much as possible, and train them and teach them to think of things in certain ways. If me stepping out of my car and my uniform looking pristine, or my patrol car being pristine, that's the first step of control. You know that visual image, and then from there, your tone, the way you carry yourself. Right. You need to carry yourself. Body language wise, because a lot of people don't realize we as humans pick up on body language. Sure. And when they walk in, if they've got the right body language, they're, you know, that helps a lot with controlling the scene. And then the way you talk to somebody, if the first thing you say is sir or ma'am, that comes off a lot differently than, hey, I'm here, you're going to do what I say. Now, there are times where you have no choice but to jump out of the car and start yelling and screaming to get things sure. brought down to a certain level, but that's when you bring it down a level. Everything needs to feed off of you, and we need to teach them that. So, have you done? Have you ha, have there been things over the last couple of years that that you've had to make some conscious changes? Because it seemed you, know, you and I were chatting a little bit about this. We're about the same age, and so we grew up in a, in a time where uh, you know if the if the cops said to do something, you just did it. And and um, times have changed. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I'm always so impressed at when I watch this stuff is how much uh, sometimes you guys will put up with, um, you know, but then be able to talk somebody into into to doing what's necessary to keep them safe and to keep you all safe. Is Are there changes that you've seen over your career in that area? And what do you do to, to help pass that on? Again, it comes with training and recognition. recognition. Uh, I had a... Uh... I had a chief master in the Air Force set me down one day and said, hey, you can't be that rough, gruff drill sergeant anymore. You've got to realize you're dealing with a different generation. And when they ask why, it's not it's not them being disrespectful. Right. It's just they are inquisitive. They want to know why. Right. And that's where you have to take the younger generation and you have to explain to them, hey, look, I will explain to you why all day long if I have time. And then we have to be willing to do that. We can't just say it. We got to actually do it. Right. You know, sometimes the why, if they understand the why, they'll they'll do whatever they need you to do. And then they need to understand there's sometimes I ain't got I don't have time to tell you why. You do if it's not illegal or immoral, you do what I say do and we'll discuss the why later. Right. So teaching them that in in a lot of ways and it's a lot easier whenever they kinda have that in the past. Uh, I'd say one of the things that helps has helped me most is being a father. 
Right. Uh, right. You know, that changes everything, doesn't it, it? It does because you learn how to deal with your, your children. And unfortunately, my daughter, God bless her soul, she's she has to deal with having a father who's a police who's officer, a yeah. prior, you know, prior <laughs> drill sergeant. So you know, she doesn't get as much slack as uh, you know, a lot of children do. And it's, it's tough on her sometimes. And then I have to, you know, my girlfriend will kind of flick me in the ear and goes, hey, you need to, you need <laughs> to back it off a little bit, you know. Yeah. She's she she's just she's just a teenage girl. This is what they do. I'm like, okay, okay. So, yeah. you you learn, and from those experiences, then you can apply it to the younger generation. Yeah, uh, I can't really comment on any of that because I'm none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a daughter, nor nope. do you have one. Nope, none of those. <laughs> but it sounds like you know what you're talking about and that's good <laughs> so Corey, one of the things too I, I wanted to chat a little bit about with you is uh you've been now with the agency here for how long uh roughly about five years i did have a four month break in service right. um right. when when i lost my wife right. uh, i had to I had to take some time right. and get some things straight but i i was asked to come back and, sure uh, and we're glad you did you know, I'm, I'm glad to be back uh so tell me, this, this is where I'm going with this question. So, you know, we're a couple of years into our new chief. Um, we, we are working very hard on our um, corporate culture here as, as an agency, our one city, one mission mindset. We, we run, um, I, you know, it's it, what I work with our leadership team is all about professional development and making sure that you have all the resources you need. Uh, tell me some of the things that, that you're excited about that you see going on inside the agency. Well, of course, the the vehicles, that was one of the big things. Uh, I had a vehicle that was burning more oil than it burned gas. So <laughs> right. having something that, that thing was bad. And, that and thing I was, was getting, I think a couple of summers ago in a three-week time frame, I got stranded three times on the side of the road because my car broke down. Not good. Uh, so, I mean, there was three different cars I had to have hauled off by a, right. a tow company because so that, that's been a big deal. Uh, but I would say the biggest thing um, – I guess I best can do is put it in an analogy. Sure. Uh, so you have a road. Everybody's supposed to be driving on that road. That's where we want everybody's at on that road. But then a pothole deforms. So if we leave the pothole, people are going to drive around it or they got to drive through it or they're moving on to a different road. Right. And you can throw a patch on it. If you throw a cheap patch on it, the first big rain that comes through is going to wash out. The problem's still there and it's probably worse in the long run. But if you take that section of road out and replace that section of the road, now everybody wants to be on that road again. No one's dodging it. No one's hitting it. And I think as a department and as a city, we've that's what we've done. We've stopped patching holes and stopped ignoring potholes. And we started taking those pieces of road out and replacing them to where they're functional. So I, I think I, I think that's the thing that excites me the most is that we're we're identifying problems. We see problems. And even though that problem, the fix may be a tough answer that we don't want to do, we realize that in the nature of our business, sometimes those hard decisions have to be made. That's good. You know, if you remember the the night that I did the ride along with you guys, when we were having dinner, one of the things that I, that I expressed to you all is that, cause we were short staff, we've been short staff. Now we're, we're almost, um, between the people coming through the academy and the people that are currently in the hiring process, we're almost going to be fully staffed. And he's looking at a couple of actual additional staff members beyond that. But, but one of the things I shared with you was that 
for me, it's more important that of the quality and the caliber of the people that we fill the seats with than it is just filling the seats. And so I had asked you all, um, you know, kind of poured my heart out to you guys about where I was at with that and, and asked you to bear with us that we're going to get you filled, but we're going to get you filled with good quality officers. And, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, I hate to keep referring back to kind of the natural national climate, but, but it breaks my heart, man, when I watch the news and I hear these conversations about, um, a reduction in funding for law enforcement and things like that. You know, my, I came up, um, and you know, my dad always told me that the thing you can always tell about the things that are most important to you by where you spend your time and your money. And so, you know, we cannot expect to, uh, you guys to continue to go out and face the things that you have to face every day, maintain a level of patience, be able to deal with the anxiety and the stress if you're in a car that's breaking down too. And so the idea that your vehicle, you know, was breaking down, on top of whatever's going on, if you have stuff, anybody has, everybody has stuff going on at home. So you got something there and then you come to work and then you got people that won't cooperate and all of these things are going on. And then your car breaks down. You know what my job, my responsibility as the city manager is to remove the things I can remove. I can't control who you're going to talk to every day, but I can make sure that when you get there, you got the right equipment and that when you load them up and you, and, and you take them where they need to go, you're going to get there <laughs> without breaking down on the side of the road. So, so man, I, I, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to, to hear that you guys see that that's what we're doing. And, and here, you know, in the panhandle, we love our, our law enforcement. We love our military. We love those, our firefighters, all those that put their life on the line to protect us. So it's, it's a good place to live for that. With, with everything going on in the world, I can tell you that, you know, there's always going to be that segment of the community, no matter how sure. good we do, no matter what we do, it, we're always going to be you know, the bad police officer, you know, it's like the parent that always holds the child accountable, you <laughs> right. know, you know, you know, you, you, you it, that's just the way it is. That's the nature of the world. We have to sure. accept it. But the community as a whole is, is very accepting, very supportive. Yeah. And if I was living in a, in a large city and having to deal with some of the things that those officers are dealing with, I would not be in this career field anymore. Um, just because one of the things I think about on a daily basis is, you know, what happens if my name comes up in something, sure. you know, how does that affect my child? My child is the right. one in the schools and stuff, you know, and, and I have to think of it that way. And, and it, and now I, right now, I mean, we live in a community where I'm not really worried about, you know, what, what happens, right. you know, because I know the community looks at us and we have the benefit of the doubt. And as long as we're open, upfront, and transparent with them on you know, what's going on, they'll give us that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, well, you, I mean, what you said just there is something, you know, I've had Chief McCosker on the podcast a couple of times. And one of the things we talk about is transparency in, in that, that community policing aspect of it. And, that, and something you just said is re, it's really important to me when I think about how when I have to deal with law enforcement because I'm not a police officer and that is your daughter is a part of this community and you're a part of this community so out not outside of just the law holding you accountable if you do something incorrectly and you getting in trouble at work you you hold you're holding yourself accountable as well because you're a member of the community and and that's important and that impacts your life um and I think that speaks to part of why you were chosen for officer of the year the fact that you make a conscious thought like that, like you, um, you know, that, that means a lot to me as a, as a citizen and a civilian who would have to interact with you as a police officer. The fact that you look at your job in that aspect, um, it, it, it makes me feel differently about being policed by you, you know, 
and, and um, you know, we, we can have officers in here all day long and I can ask them, you know, why did you choose to be an officer? And it's, you know, I want to, I want to be the change that needs to happen in my community or I want to see the world or it's my grandfather, my grandfather's grandfather. And we've been marshals in the wild west for the last, you know, whatever. But the, what I really want to hear is because I'm a member of this community too. And it matters to me how I affect people, how people affect me and how we all affect each other and treat each other. It sounds selfish for me to say, but I think if more people would look at things this way, we'd be in a better world, all, you know, altogether. But the things that are going on out here on these streets, you know, we don't. This is not. I don't want to make it sound like we got this huge problem. I mean, we have the same problems that any other town has, sure. you know. But if it's going on here, it's going on in our schools. And we as a society need to stop and we need to step back and we need to look and realize that those children in those schools are our future. Yes. Yes. We can either do something now to remove those problems from those schools so they can grow and flourish, either you know emotionally, mentally, you know, educationally, whatever, or we can continue to ignore it and allow them to be impacted and then we just we're perpetuating the situation. Which is, which is why at the beginning of this I was saying that I, I think it's great that you're on this side of the pro of the process instead of on the correction side um it, obviously those guys and gals that do that every day you know that's a necessity for sure and we appreciate everything that they do and they and they put their lives on the line every day as well but i you know people with the mindset that you have and the things that i've seen you do um uh, personally got to see you do um it you know it gives me a sense of hope for uh knowing that you know sometimes because the deal is you you know you guys interact with people on their very worst time the very worst day that they're ever going to have right they're going to end up talking to somebody in a uniform like you and so when you're there and you can help them uh one of the things a lot of people don't know about me is that you know um when i was young uh you know i, I didn't didn't necessarily get in trouble with the law but uh you know i i was asked to leave school. He was a troublemaker. Don't yeah, let him lie. Yeah. So, uh, we all were in a different <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. So, 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 you know, um, uh, I, I got myself in a situation where they, where I actually um, was asked to leave the school and went to an alternative school and finished up and then went on to college and did all these things. But, but the difference between, um, you know, how my situation ended up and how others ended up is that somebody did not allow me to let one decision define my life. And so as you leave here, uh, this this conversation, man, I challenge you to challenge those young officers that you're with to help the people they interact with see that one decision doesn't have to define them. You know, they don't have to, it doesn't, and, and you're that person that can make that difference uh, in the community. And and so that's, that's a, it's a it's an awesome responsibility, but I think we've got the right people to do it. Well, one of the things I've mentioned before to some of my supervisors, and it, it sounds bad, but to say it sometimes, but I take my job as a law enforcement officer seriously, very Absolutely. seriously. But more importantly, I take my job as a trainer more seriously because what I'm doing is I'm telling that parent of that child, hey, your son or your daughter is, they're prepared, they're ready to go out, they can take care of themselves. I'm telling other officers, hey, you can trust this person to be to your left or your right or behind you, they've got your back. And then I'm telling the my my supervisors, you can trust him to do the job, to do the right thing, you know, and everything i'm telling you the city everybody else i'm putting my seal of approval on this young man and this young woman and saying hey they are ready to do right. the things that you expect them to do and i take that that responsibility very very important because if i don't teach them right they're going to do something that could cost them or someone else their life yeah absolutely absolutely um man that's awesome yeah um, uh it is and 
Unfortunately, we we gotta we out of time. We gotta wrap it up. I figured uh, we were. That's okay. I I want to say I personally want to say thank you for your service to our city. Thank you for your service to our country. Um, and I understand why you're officer of the year, and it, it may be humbling to you, and you may not understand, but. It, if you need a reminder, go back and listen to this later. And I promise you some of those things will be there. Um, I want to just remind everyone that we do have the community unity flashlight walk this weekend, which is on Saturday um, is get here around five thirty, city hall parking lot. Uh, Officer Newcomb, will you be, I'll be on duty that night. Okay. So uh, I may or may not be there for a little bit, but uh, my primary concern will be taking calls. Well, that's okay. You're taking calls. We'll have uh, we'll have some other officers there, I'm sure. I'm speaking of, you know, that. I mean, I didn't get a chance to go through this, so I'm not going to go too much into it. But 1,700 calls, that's what you took last year? Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, that's that's why he's doing it, not me, boss. <laughs> All right. So, gentlemen, thank you both for joining me. Absolutely. Officer Newcomb, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you Corey, I appreciate you, man. Thanks, sir. And, Tim, thanks always. Yep, it was a pleasure. All right, and that'll do it. Crest you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Civic View. You can hear new episodes every Friday on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Audible, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and on our website at www.cityofcrestview.org. Civic View is a public affairs program produced and recorded right here at City Hall and is also featured Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. on WAAZ-FM and WJSB-AM. Our music is recorded, produced, and performed by Scott Holmes, and you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at City of Crestview. And with that, I'll say be safe, Crestview, and I'll catch you next time.